You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Pennsylvania Woodsman, powered by Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network. This show is driven to provide relatable hunting and outdoor content in the Keystone State and surrounding Northeast. On this show, you'll hear an array of perspectives from biologists and industry professionals to average Joes with a lifetime of knowledge. All centered around values aiming to be better outdoorsmen and women, both in the field as well as home and daily life. No clicks, no self-interest, just delight in the pursuit of creation. And now, your host, the pride of Pennsylvania, the man who shoots straight and won't steer you wrong, Johnny Appleseed himself, Mitchell Shirk. Mitchell Shirk. Mitchell Shirk. Mitchell Shirk. What's going on, everybody? Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode. I am still hacking away with this freaking cough and sickness of whatever it is. Like, I feel good almost all day long, but it's like mornings and evenings. I lose my voice. I get all mucusy and phlegmed up. I'm coughing to no end. And everybody in my family has it. It's miserable. And I just don't know even remotely know what to do to get rid of this. But I guess it's the time of year. It's probably not going to get any better as we go into the holidays. We just had our Thanksgiving festivities. Um, I was already, I was supposed to have some Christmas festivities this past week, and we're supposed to get together with some friends and family. And that got canceled because some of the folks that we were going to spend time with said that they were sick and didn't want to didn't want to get us sick and you know is what it is kind of deal so it's just been a a a normal winter i guess this is one of the the negative things that i guess you have happen every year but uh is what it is man we close out rifle season i can't believe it's over like where does the time go i say it every single year you wait all year long and then you know october 1st comes and i'm so jacked for october it is my favorite month and we get into uh that and I go well you know we get into the the rut the rut's coming up and you know that's a fun time and that you flip a switch and that's over and I go okay well I got some fun hunts coming up I got bear season I got my group hunted rifles you know a deer camp with uh, rifle season and you got all this stuff and all of a sudden you, you you just blink your eyes a couple times it's over it's done and uh for me you know there's a lot of people that you know, I was talking about this with my, my cousin, actually. And he said, you know, for me, he said, I can, it just makes me appreciate the time that I do get when I do those, do those things. And I agree with him, but at the same time, I just never want it to end. And it's just slightly depressing when it's over. i got to wait a year for doing all those things I love. But for me, it's not completely over. Um, I have a few tags left. I have, uh, I have some tags in northern Pennsylvania, one at camp, one uh, one in the area that I killed my, my buck in in archery season. I have a doe tag for up there. And then I have some in uh, the extended units. Um, well, it would be in western Pennsylvania. It would be 2B. I have a place that I can hunt out there. And Lord willing, with the time allotment, I would like to go out and and do some more hunting. Not because I really need to shoot another deer. I've been blessed. I killed a pile of deer this year. I, I filled a bunch of tags. I shot two buck across two states and some antlerless deer and uh, a bear. And I'm not 
going hunting because I feel like I need to kill anything. I just want to go hunting. I just want to hunt. Um, I enjoy hunting with my flintlock muzzle loader. So, uh, you know, given the opportunity, I'm going to do it. And, uh, it's, uh, that's coming up here. So, you know, if you listened to last week's episode, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, uh, had John Royer on from Leatherwood, fantastic episode from a real experienced hunter an experienced flintlock hunter, uh, flintlock shooter, and just an all-around great conversation. If that doesn't fuel you up for the late season in flintlock muzzleloader hunting, I don't know what will. And, uh, you, you know, this week's episode, is, as we're coming off of, uh, you know, the, the close of the season, I, I have a have somebody come on. He reached out to me, wanted to be on the show, and, and wanted to talk about some of the experiences he's had deer hunting, you know, coming up through uh, and learning, kind of self-taught from bow hunting. And accomplished a goal this year of, of shooting a mature buck with a bow and arrow. And this week's guest is Tyler Murray. You know, he's a he's a listener, a follower, and he's just a hardworking dude, man. He loves to bow hunt. He loves to hunt in general. And he wor- he talks about the the process of learning and working hard and the things he had to overcome. And we, we lead into that, into the story of the buck that he killed this year with a bow and arrow. And, you know, the emotions that just became overwhelming when that goal was accomplished. And, you know, of course, we talk a lot, a lot of, you know, about get into the weeds of deer hunting, right? We get into, you know, what our mindset is of a good day to hunt versus a bad day to hunt. How do we manage our time from a hunting perspective? You know, whether we have um, an, an, an un, you know, unregulated amount of days that we can hunt, you know, work and life doesn't get in the way that we can choose whatever days we want to hunt versus, you know, where Tyler had this year, he had to be a weekend warrior and he had Saturdays to make the most of it. And he got it done and he's going to talk a little bit about that and and a host of other things. So I'm going to stop rambling about it. I'll just let you guys tune into this episode and hear it. Before we do, we're going to talk for partners and make our uh, housekeeping arrangements here. Radix Hunting. Radix Hunting has some of the best cameras that I used personally i've i've got uh m corsell cameras gen 600 cameras out the regular cameras out uses the scout tech app if you're not familiar with that guys it's a really easy app to use and set your cameras up on great response great image quality uh can't say enough good things about radix cameras they've got a lot of other products too stick and pick trail camera accessories mounts adapters things for ground blinds they've got hunting blinds available at the tree stands i've been using their tree stands check out radix hunting and huntworth gear huntworth gear it was one of those things i've said this in the past clothing has always been something i've been tight with and it, and for no reason other than i was just trying to penny pinch and it was one of those things that i thought i could get away with and this year you know in, investing in, in using some uh of the the, the gear from huntworth I can't believe what I was missing out on all over the years. And, and a couple things I want to name stake right now. The Heat Boost products that they have, whether you're running like the uh, the hoodie, I was running the Grayling uh, Heat Boost hoodie this year. I did it in bear season and deer season. That, that thing is insane. I love hoodies. It's comfortable. But Heat Boost in general, even if you've got like the Saskatoon heavier clothing for late season here, Talk about just incredible how it keeps you warm, breaks down the wind, uh, the, the, the quality of the products. I'm using the Disruption Camo. Love that camo. Uh, it's the digital one. You know, a lot of people, you know, say what they want about it. I just think it looks cool, and it definitely breaks up your pattern 
in the woods. I think it's a good good camo. Uh, can't say enough good things about Huntworth. So be sure to check them out. They've got some sales coming up here around the holidays, huntworthgear.com. With that, let's get to this episode, guys. Joining me this week for the show, I have a listener, Tyler Murray, on the show. Man, thanks for joining us. What's going on, Tyler? Oh, nothing. Just uh, enjoying, kind of enjoying a little bit of quiet time after the two weeks of two weeks of chaos there that's rifle season in pa yeah just t- enjoying the quiet tell me a little bit about your hunting season i just uh you know right before we got started here you were telling me you were uh, you were kind of working on cleaning some deer up from uh, a successful hunt tell me a little bit about it um really can't can't say much i wasn't there i just know my um group that we hunt with they had um, one of them had got a buck so we were actually grinding up the meat um, for that this year, I was fortunate enough to kind of finally tag out on a on a mature uh, buck in archery season. So that uh, really took the pressure off me to kind of uh, get get it done in, in rifle. Um, so yeah, it was just a just a season, a lot of season of learning, a lot of uh, not a lot of not a lot of sit, but just I had to be smart about it because my time in the woods was limited with. Uh, just being away all week. Um, so I wasn't able to just kind of turn and burn sits and, and just try to listen to the deer. I had to use, uh, had to use what I was seeing on trail camera or lack of what I was seeing on trail camera. And also just a little bit of luck, just the rut, um, in the middle of November, you know, anything can happen. So you just got to get out in the woods and spend as much time as you can out there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, I want to dive into that a little bit more, but before we do, can you uh, can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself, how old you are, where you're from, what do you do for a living kind of thing? Uh, I am. My name's Tyler Murray. Uh, I'm from Fayette County, Pennsylvania, in a little town called Confluence. Um, I am 28 years old, and I'm just kind of uh, working with the, with the state right now, so that's kind of why I was away all all week, pretty much all deer season in, in training. And, uh, but now I'm, I'm done, finally got done with training. I was fortunate enough to be able to come home on the weekends. Um, and that's where I was able to kind of reset for the week. That's what I use the woods mainly is to, to reset myself. Um, as crazy as everything kind of gets nowadays, it's nice to just be able to go out and, and sit down and watch the woods wake up around you and just, uh, kind of clear my head. So that's kind of what I use it for. And I use it as an outlet as well to just meet guys and be able to talk to people and kind of bounce ideas off of things or off bounce ideas off of each other. Right. And kind of helps me be successful in the woods. I know you're very into bow hunting. I know you're into white tails and stuff as many of us are, but everybody has a little bit of a different experience of how they got to that point or how they landed, you know, how the dial landed on that, so to speak. And, and what really, you know, just is innate within you that just has to do that. So tell me a little bit about the path that brought you to where you're at as a deer hunter and a hunter in general. Um, so I get to give a lot of credit to my dad. I mean, he, um, was a rifle hunter. I can remember much like I think anybody in PA in, in Pennsylvania, you're growing up watching your dad, uh, hunt. It was always rifle season, uh, the orange army. Um, therefore I even, I didn't really know what was going on. I just knew after Thanksgiving for a while, like I didn't, my dad always just came home and not came home in the evenings, um, dressed in camo and, and fresh and orange. And then as I got older, 
Uh, I can remember, you know, my grandma taking us out to, they had like a little mini camp, uh, not far from our house. And that was kind of my earliest days. I can remember seeing, seeing him and, uh, my cousins or our cousins bringing like does and stuff in. Um, so I always remember like, all right, this is what I want to do. And then I remember, I want to say I was probably 2000, 2002, 2003. So I'd been like six or seven years old. He'd shot a decent, or like, at the time, it was the biggest buck I'd ever seen, like, in the world. And obviously, my dad had got it, so I thought this was cool. And I can remember, like, wrapping my hands around the antlers, even from that age. And I was like, okay, I want to keep doing this. Like, this is something I'm definitely going to do. Um, so I did everything I could. Like, uh, most kids had VHSs, like Lion King and and all the Disney movies. I had, like, Real Tree Monster Bucks and the juries and all that back then. Uh, watching on Saturdays on ESPN, Tom Miranda. Uh, the bone collectors and all them. Like I would whisper in the sitting on the couch. I was still whispering. Nobody was allowed to talk because I thought it was gonna, you know, scare the deer or whatever. So I've I've just been hooked uh, ever since I can remember. That's just what I wanted to do. Uh, started hunting when I was twelve. Uh, I can remember I didn't even see a deer uh, my first year, and my dad was like really worried because you know nowadays like people go out um, and we didn't have any youth season or nothing. I just remember being 12 and you were going out with on that Monday, you were going out with everybody um, shots all around me, people all around. And my dad was really worried that like, man, he may not like this. Cause you know, he just, he's not sure he's not used to the um, actually putting in the work. And it just seemed like that just kept driving me. Um, I think I was, I ended up being killed my first deer at 13. It was just a, uh, a fork horn. And I just been kind of doing it ever since 15. I killed my first like i would say my first mature buck and from that moment on i just kind of been chasing like like oh man i gotta keep kill i gotta keep hunting these these mature bucks i i've been pat i pass deer i pass bucks i shoot what makes me happy um and then at about uh, i'd say 16 i really got into archery because i was now learning more like how to hunt um yeah it's nice and I don't downplay, but it's, you know, you can just sit at the top of a hollow. You sit and you watch a hillside and if a buck comes out, a buck comes out. Um, and then the more I got to learn archery, but it just kept becoming like a student of it, like learning weather, trying to understand weather patterns and thermals. And I still didn't know. And my dad wasn't a big archery hunter. Um, so I reached out to a couple guys in my area that I knew were more archery hunters and they would help a little bit, but also. Um, I always notice there's like a that generational difference of I know something that you don't. So I'm going to kind of ho hold on to it until I feel you're ready to, to know. And then it seems like maybe like this newer generation like us, like obviously we have podcasts and so we talk and we, we, we share tips and trip and tricks back and forth with each other. Um, so like I said, I was fortunate enough to get in there. Um, I was able to also get onto a lot of uh, private ground that was that just held good bucks and, and had a lot of diversity with the habitat. And it just always seemed like it had bucks and had my first encounter with what I would consider to be like a, a like a mature buck in archery season within like 20 yards. And I've like hearts pounding and shaking. And, and I'm sure he probably heard everything rattling on my bow and in my, in the, uh, I was using a climber at the time. So I'm sure it was rattling and there was acorns falling off the tree. Um, but then, I was hooked. Like I knew I was hooked from, from that moment on, like everything I do now, deer season doesn't end for me. It's, uh, it's like a 365 days shed season, postseason scouting, summer scouting, early season scouting and hunting. I always get 
bummed out when hunting season gets here because it's like I get so regimented on like, oh, I can't do this now. It's just always I'm just hunt, hunt, hunt. And I'm like, man, I want to get out and walk. I want to learn what these deer are doing, but I also don't want to bump them because um, some of the land I hunt is, is relatively pressured, um, probably worse than some of the game lands. So uh, I try to hunt smarter and not harder. And, and this year it actually showed, taught me that it's possible to only have one sit a week and still be successful. Yeah, that's probably been one of the hardest things that I've had to overcome learning too because, you know, you, you go through and you were talking about drive. Like you can't – drive is something that you don't learn or you're not taught. Like you either have it or you don't have it, right? And when you're driven right. to hunt, what do you want to do? You want to spend time in the woods. You want to hunt. And, uh, you know, I, I've always tried to hunt as much as possible. And I remember early on I hunted a lot – and learned over time, I wouldn't say I learned quickly because I'm a slow learner, but over time I learned that quality beats quantity when it comes to sit. So, you know, trying to learn how to be strategic and make good choices for, so you're not overpressuring deer has been great. And I've been successful in a lot of cases in not overhunting and, and, and shooting deer. Like even this year for the case, you know, really the the first sit on this one property that I hunt was when I, I ended up filling my tag. But it's a it's a bittersweet thing because like hunting efficient is great and you know I've just come to the re- realization for me that the kill isn't what interests me anymore. It's the hunt. And you know, when the hunt goes quick and your tag is filled, it's over. And then I just love being in the woods. Like that's such a hard pill for me to swallow a lot of the time. Cause when you're done, you're done and we got to wait another year. But I, I do agree. I love the, the process along the way too. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, um, like I'll talk to some people like around where I'm from and, and it's always like, wow, like we always see you here. Like we always see your truck park there. We, sometimes we thought you moved in and I was like, no, it's just, I got to know or I enjoy it. I enjoy just getting out and kind of, you know, as far as staying active, like I definitely enjoy that and walking. I think in like the shed season, uh, I track myself. I do, I do like a six mile loop on just, you know, looking for, um, doing the shed hunting. If there's snow on the ground, I'm definitely going out looking for bedding areas. Um, and just using that postseason scouting and, and going, looking forward to next year. Like I said, like soon as, as soon as my buck hit the ground this year, I was always like, okay, now it's deer season 2024 and as bad as it is to say that because now i'm trying to rush time um i'm always just like all right now what am i what can i do to get better for next year so i'm either you know it can replicate that success in that spot as far as weather patterns and stuff or if you know because permission pieces come and go and we're only as good as is the the kind of the, the piece that we have or the deer that we can hunt um, but if I can replicate that on a different piece of property, then obviously, you know, I can keep replicating success. I don't, I don't like the luck aspect, which we always have to have luck. Um, that luck, like that runs out or that comes and goes. But as long as you can keep putting yourself in, in like, I feel as long as you can keep putting yourself in these scenarios where a buck has to come through, then, you know, skill never runs out. Skill never comes and goes, but luck kind of does. Or knowledge never runs out, but luck can come and go. 
Well, I've always been somebody that believes that luck follows the well-prepared. Like, I know a lot of very good hunters, and they kill a lot of game, and I've heard a lot of people say, oh, you're so lucky, you're so lucky. But yet, if you, is it luck when you do your homework, when you do all the right things, and then success follows thereafter? I'm not saying that luck isn't, you know, something that happens, because, you know, I, I, on the flip side of that, I know some hunters this year that have, hunted fairly hard and had the opposite had bad luck where they uh you know have a misfortune maybe it's a work related thing maybe it's a health related thing and got to leave the stand early or maybe they can't get to the stand right away and just not seeing the the the, the deer they want to even though they're in the right position it's just a timing issue and I, I believe that luck is definitely at you know attributed to that but you know on the topic of uh, luck following the well prepared. Tell me a little bit about some of the things you've learned. You know, you talk about 16 years old and kind of starting to take on bow hunting. Tell me a little bit about some of the things that you kind of had as an aha moment that really took you to the next level or the next, you know, really, really helped you in, in the game that you like to play of, of chasing whitetails in Pennsylvania. So, that like that sixteen that that sixteen year old time frame, I had a I had my bow, I had a climber, and I had one one uh, trail camera, and I was like ready to take on the entire world. Um, you I at that time I was I knew about scent control, and I thought, oh, if I just spray this stuff on my clothes, like they can't smell me. Like I don't like I didn't pay too much attention to wind currents. Like everything was just like. Oh no, if I just spray this, I'm, I'm good. So, um, you know, I learned there, like, I, I couldn't figure out, like, man, why do these deer, why do these deer keep smelling me? Like I said, I didn't really have, you know, like, that, my dad wasn't a, a true bow hunter and, like, oh, you need to play the winds and the thermals. Um, so I think my, honestly, my aha moment was when I figured out YouTube and was, like, able to, to branch out and, and, like, oh, well, this is how this goes. Um, this is how this works. This is what the rut is. This is what all these things. Cause I didn't know. I just almost knew when I begin, when I began even archery hunting, it was like, you just sit in your rifle spot and hope they kind of came close enough with a bow. Um, so then that the moment of like, these are totally different animals now, like in archery season or in, in rifle season, I would say seven to eight out of seven or eight out of the 10 deer you see are probably running. Because somebody else just bumped them. So now you think these deer are skittish. Um, I can remember, I want to say it was my, it was that 16 or 17 year season when I was like, I hunt, I just first time hunting this farm and it was actually like there was a lot of deer and I've seen a lot of deer and they just come walking through. And not that they don't have a care in the world because deer are very, you know, everybody knows deer are like the most terrified creatures sometimes. Um, like you, I couldn't do anything to actually get him to, to pay attention to me because I'm like sitting there and I'm, I'm practicing drawing and has no, like no care in the world. I'm, I probably got sleeves all over my seat that I'm rustling because I'm not paying attention to, to, to things. And that's when I'm like, Oh, these are totally different animals now. Like I'm watching this doe just mill through the woods, eating whatever she wanted. Um, whether she was on her way, I don't know if she was on her way to bedding. I believe she probably was. Um, trying to think back, but like, that was like my aha moment of these are totally different animals. So I have to, I have to take it differently than I'm just going to watch this hollow and wait till deer come running through. Like now I got to know the trail that they're on. I want to know 
not only that they're on this trail, but like, why are they on this trail? Are they going from bedding to food? Are they going from maybe a food source to a food source? Are they coming back from a certain area? Um, and that was just does. I'm like, oh, well, if the does are here, the, the bucks are going to be here. And then I started to realize like a, a mature white tail or like the, the bucks that I was really targeting was a totally different animal from that. Like, like he, he was going on a trail, you know, 10, 15 feet or to maybe even 10, 15 yards uphill or downhill because he didn't want to be associated with that mass movement of does or that he wanted to stay under the radar. Me, it, that was like that aha moment that okay, I have to step my game up because this isn't just uh, I'm gonna go sit in the woods now and uh, and a buck's just gonna walk up to me like they're gonna they're gonna make me earn it just as much as a doe probably will, but they just don't leave as much. It seemed like deer there didn't leave as much sign, which was also I I started to pick up on like the size of the tracks, um, those little minute trails and not so much the the cattle paths that the does are taking. Um, different way the rubs different way the rubs were pointing so I could figure out his, his direction of travel. So that like that that second season I bow hunted was like that aha moment for me. That that entire season I'll say would be in that aha moment. But like I said, it was just when I, I figured out that not only are these totally different animals from archery season to rifle season, but then even your mature bucks are t- completely different than your does. If you're looking to simplify your food plot system while enhancing the quality of your soil, you need to check out Vitalize Seed Company. Vitalize provides top quality seed blends designed to fit into their 1-2 planting system. This system has been designed to allow highly diverse plant species to grow synergistically, optimizing nutrient uptake and cycling the way God intended. Reduce your inputs, build your soil, and maximize the quality tonnage for the wildlife in your area. Find out more about this system and get your seed at vitalizeseed.com and be sure to check them out on Instagram and Facebook. Well, you've talked a little bit about mature bucks here and, you know, we're in a very unique place right now in the hunting world where um, it almost seems like chasing mature bucks or shooting big deer People care less about it now than they used to, and I, I, there's a lot of reasons for that. And I'm with you. You know, I don't care what anybody does. I'm going to do what I want to do, what makes me happy, and what I enjoy the most. But you've talked a, a, a bunch here about chasing mature deer and big deer and stuff. So try to explain to me and from your mind and your perspective why. Why why would you want to ch- – what interests you that you would want to – chase mature deer like what's the driving force to shoot bigger bucks versus shooting you know you know a legal deer or 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 something else of of that nature you know what goes through your mind if somebody asks why are you the way you are tyler because i get asked that a lot it's a hard question to answer oh absolutely um so i would say the one thing that i that i think most and i had touched on like it's a completely different animal than a doe or even like I would consider, and this is different because I know PA is one of the states where it's like if a buck makes it to three and a half, he's like the elder of the group here. Um, I've been fortunate enough, maybe unfortunate enough, to way look at it. like some of the bucks that I've been chasing are get, are starting to touch that like four and a half and up. Um, but what what really drives me is the fact that they've seen a lot, like they've beat a lot of hunters, or they've at least escaped death at least four times. You know, with 
with our rifle season and and uh, just the amount of pressure that that the Pennsylvania deer sees. But it just seems like he's like everybody talks about apex predators. Everybody tries to be the apex predators, but I feel that when a buck hits that certain age or even a doe, I mean, everybody talks about like those old does that can just pick you out of any tree when they hit a certain age and they've seen it all, they smelled it all. They've heard it all. They've had bullets whiz over their heads. Like they become an apex survivor of like, they know where to go. They know how to move the train. Like they live there as much as I think I like to think that I live on these, some of these properties and like, Oh, I know what these deer do. They know, they know their escape routes. They know, there's that one pocket of trees that they can go hide in that everybody overlooks them because everybody parks here and then walks, wants to walk, you know, maybe to the back edge of a field or they want to walk to the farthest reaches of, of a property because that's where they think that these bucks are going to be. And they've just figured that out. And you can only pressure a buck so much before he figures it out or he dies. I mean, there's to them, there's no, there's no in between. Um, so it's just the lore of like, I want to beat you at your own game which is like them surviving and it's just that that one time that that you're like man you know i never see deer in this little patch of woods i never see bucks in this little patch of woods and then somebody else is just like drives by and sees that see the buck go in it or um they just it's like they're they're chess matching you as you're trying to like chess match them and and it's just it just drives me because um you see like I grew up with the, the you know the Lee and Tiffany craze and, and the juries of, of always like just big bucks, big bucks, big bucks, and you get that with mature deer. But to just to be able to just beat a an old old buck at his game, which is just surviving, and not even in the rut, but even to do it in like early October when he's like at his most like keen with his senses, and he probably has an idea that like okay velvet's coming off like i know what's about to happen some guys some people i know they talk about like oh no you know don't personify these animals they're just rabbits with antlers but you know i think they get big for a reason everybody said they get big for a reason and you know you you live in those woods for six and a half years you know when the velvet comes off and you're gonna start smelling humans and you know you're gonna start smelling humans where you don't want to smell humans um so i think that's it's just the chess match of like i got to I want to beat them at their own game and I respect the animals so much. Like if I could honestly, if I could just hit them with a trank bow and just take a picture, like, look, look what I was, I was able to get to him, but then he just gets up and walks away. So I can, I can continue the story with them for another year. Like I would definitely do it just because of the, the respect I have for the animals. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mature deer are, uh, they're fascinating creatures to me. And, you know, you talked about, uh, you were able to, to punch a tag, uh, throughout this season and i'm kind of curious you know tell us a little bit about that like when when did you uh when did you fill your tag and what did that look like this year leading up because you talked a lot about the preparation and the off-season work so what led what led to this deer that you killed this year and tell us a little bit about it um, so i uh at a spot i didn't really get to ch- get to check it in like my late season scouting like i i I had an idea. I went on, you know, used some the e-scouting and I said, well, I know this part of the farm. I know this part very well. So now it's time to kind of expand. I don't like, I don't like having 20, 30 sets in a farm, but if I could have, if I could have three or four, break it up in like four quads that have good quality sets and I know what wins I can hunt, what wins I can't. Um, so that's what I did. That's, so I was like, okay, I'm going to do quadrant. Let's just call it quadrant four today. So I went and I looked and I, I, uh, I found a spot where 
it was like a kind of a, a me, maybe a medium growth logging cut where it you could tell there was the the timber change, but it wasn't it wasn't what you would consider to be like an old or like a, a fresh cut, but it wasn't maybe it was just getting become a medium to medium mature, mature timber, and there was a logging road that ran down through it, and on the left side of it was just like a hollow a feeder hollow down into the big hollow, and then on the other side of it was just a uh, an old timber cut. And I'm like, huh, this timber change, I kind of liked it. I just liked the fact that there was that, that transition, that hard edge that everybody talks about. Um, so I just marked it. And I didn't really say do much to it um, in the early season. Or, I'm sorry, uh, shed hunting. I looked, and there were some beds, but nothing. But I knew does were kind of bedding here. Um, and this was right after rifle season. So I was like, okay, so this at least gives me a time frame of when these does are coming in. So fast forward to this year, I start hunting. Like I'm just gonna go see what what's on this logging road. So I walked in in the morning. It was a raining morning. And actually, um, kind of to talk about bad luck and just how taxing the season was, I, I hunt out of a saddle. So I put my first climbing stick on. Boom. Go to put my second climbing stick on. Uh, boom. I thought it was good. I went to. I'm standing on my second stick, putting my third stick on, and like you do that little bounce to get up from your second step to your third step. My uh, second step falls out from underneath of me. And I slide down probably like six or eight feet and I just rip, absolutely rip from like my knee up to like my hip, a big hole in my, uh, I had Gore-Tex pants on because we was getting rain, ripped it up, got a big scratch down my leg. And I was like, all right, whatever. Um, it really hurt, but you know, I just kind of kept going. Uh, I toughed it out as long as I could till I soaked in my, in the, uh, um, my under layers and stuff like that. So like, all right, whatever. So I had to go out and buy, you know, brand new stuff. So my season wasn't really starting out on the best. Plus I was kind of, I was kind of crabby because I was only hunting one day a week, which is, you know, everybody's like all boohoo. You know, we've all had to hunt one day a week, but I was like, yeah, I know, but it just, it sucks when you're, you, you're kind of used to being able to hunt a few days a week to go into one maybe. And then every Saturday, it seemed like it wanted to rain. Well, I'm, I'm so, kind of curious. I want to, I want to stop you right there. So you talked about quality sits in one day a week. So if you have one day a week and you talk about quality sits, like what does that mean in your mind? Does that mean going to specific places in the farm that you deemed as the best section of the farm or, you know, the thing I always struggle with is, like, I, I've always felt like there's optimum days or there's the, the best window of time, whether that's by the calendar or there's a weather front or something like that that leads me to believe this is a good day. But if you have one day a week to hunt, like, what's dictating that one day a week? Is it external forces and you're making the most of it happening? Or, or are you able to say, I've got one day I can pick, this is why I picked this day. Like, what does that look like? Um, in, in this scenario, I knew I had one, I had Saturdays. That's all I knew. You know, all I knew is I have Saturdays. So I had not only on this farm, I have a couple other farms and properties that I'm, I'm fortunate enough to hunt. Um, so I just said, okay, this is Saturday. These are my, these are my weather conditions. This is the time of the year as far as like, you know, food sourced, where do I want, like, where do I feel is going to put me in the best position? Is there probably a lot of people that are like, why were you out on Saturday? Yeah. Is that a quality day? No. But do I still feel like I had quality sits? Yes. Because I was either hunting what I felt was a travel corridor from them to bet to, um, from the big food sources or just like, there's a couple places that place in particular, um, there was at least a little cluster of beech trees that, that they had seen to leave. 
And that was kind of the driving force of, I had some trail camera um, intel that was just like, there's does. And I almost positive that was the, the buck that I shot. I had seen him there and they were daylighting. So that to me was a quality sit. Was it a quality day? No, it was, I was like, as I was getting dressed in the morning, I was like, why am I here? But then I also remembered like here in, here in February or here in March, I'm going to pray. I would do, I would give anything to come back to this day to be able to be in the stand again. So that's when I mean like a quality sit. It's not a quality day that you hear about, um, you know, the, the cold, the October cold fronts, um, and stuff like that. It was just, I made it a quality sit by trying to use like what I know from the area, historical data, trail cam data. And sometimes you just got to realize that I'm probably not going to see a deer today, but this is my best chance too. And if I'm serious about hunting and serious about wanting to, to, to shoot, shoot bucks, shoot mature bucks, or just be a, um, a hunter, I got to be able to come out in all these, all these conditions, whether it's good or bad. And you still see it, you know, um, October 1st, you'll start seeing pictures on social media deer. Um, so, you know, I'm like, well, that's not right. You shouldn't be able to sh shoot a mature buck in October morning, but they go out there, they put their time in, they make their decision of this is their quality set. And this is what they're going to, this is where they're going to sit. And it works out for them. Now, 99% of the time it doesn't, we only see about the 1% of the time that it does. Um, but yeah, that's what I look for in quality sets is this is the time I'm given. How am I going to make a quality set out of it? Now, the year before that, I was the kind of the position I was in. I was able to hunt every day after work. Were those quality sits? I would say 75% of them still were. Others were like, okay, I'm just going to throw a satellite sit out here on this side of the farm, or I'm going to just test the waters here. Were they still quality sits? Yeah, because I was trying kind of expanding and, and trying to figure out what was going on in different pieces. But were they like textbook quality, quality days to hunt? No. Um, but you can still find it. I still feel you can find a quality sit anywhere. Um, you just got to be able to put the time in and know how, and it's this time, it's like this time of the year up until probably March, I would say this is when you find out where some of your quality sits could be. Well, you were talking about the, the farms that you have a couple different farms and there's, there's pretty, pretty good amount of pressure on them and stuff. You said, you know, sometimes worse than the game land. So that one day you get to hunt, you know, you're dealt a certain hand and there's there's really no playing other than, you know, not a lot of cards to play right. If you've got, you know, let's just say you've got uh, south wind, warm temperatures, yada, yada, yada. Like, without giving specifics of your setup that's going to, you know, you know, impede where you're hunting and stuff, I'm just kind of curious, like, tell me your mindset when you're dealt those hands where I've got a less than ideal wind, I've got a less than ideal this, I've got a less than ideal, like, where is the cutoff in your mind of saying, I'm still going to try to make this a quality sit with this farm versus... I'm probably just going to overpressure this farm if I hunt today because X, Y, and Z. Uh, like, like that's a, that's a tough one to go. Like, what what what's your response to that? Are you saying like what's the, the difference between I'm going to try and do like force a quality sit over man? I'm just what am I doing? I'm just overpressuring. Yeah, like I mean, I I've been in situations on certain properties where you know if I had you know let's say Saturday was the only day that I had to hunt right. But when push came to shove and Saturday rolled around, um, you know, I didn't have the, the cards in my favor that I felt like I could kill. Like, I, I didn't feel I had a move in my arsenal to say, I can make this a quality sit 
and kill the deer I'm after. And that might be because the wind or, you know, one thing I've learned about the one property hunt is when you get certain uh, certain conditions, whether it's like the, the percentage of humidity or the, the temperature and how it works with the thermals in that area, it's just really hard to, to kill a deer because the the way the thermals and the wind work the, the deer smell you very, very easily. And if you don't have certain conditions right, I feel like it's the odds are stacked against you. So, you know, from a condition-based standpoint, I guess is how I should rephrase that question. Like, what do you do when you get that one day a week and your conditions are just less than ideal? Like, where's the cutoff for you this past season or what, your mindset going into that, if that makes sense? Uh, yeah, I would say the, the only cut off that like sticks in my in my head or I, i'm like man what am i doing here it would just be like was i think last last year um about our opening day we our opening day of archery we had like that remnants of a hurricane come through um and just hurricane winds and and the uh driving rain that would be the only real conditions i would say that are my cutoffs is just being miserable in this in soaking rain and i've pretty much pretty much have got got to the point where i'm exclusively a saddle hunter unless i have to hunt out of a, a tree stand and i still will and, and i there's times i enjoy it um and most of my sits that are or most of my sets that are tree stand or like usually just around around a field around an ag just more observation sits um but you know, as far as worrying about pressure, I I have other guys. Now, this probably, probably sounds bad, but I have other tree stands, tree stands and blinds of the other people that hunt this property. So I try to I put them on there. I do like a 50 yard circle or something like that, or maybe 150 yard, give or take the the conditions. And I try to find them pockets of that 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 pressure doesn't seem to hit. Um, or a cutoff would be if I'm in a, if I'm in a spot that I'm like. I should go out and I should at least see a doe. Um, I know I think Jeff Sturgis had made a comment on one of his posts or made a thing that says you should always be able to go out and kill a doe, but you can hunt. A, you should be able to hunt bucks. You kill does, hunt bucks, and I'm like, okay, I don't really want to kill does because you know I, I enjoy seeing deer, but if I'm not seeing deer, that's kind of my cutoff to okay, something's got to change. As long as I'm seeing a doe or two and I'm not spooking anything, um, I'm I'm content. I'm just like, okay, you know, I'm seeing those. Now it's just a matter of time where if I'm at a, like there's an oak flat, another oak flat that leads into a different side of the hollow, um, always see does. So I need to, um, if I don't see does, that's, that becomes my cutoff of, okay, the pressure is getting too much because even the does are, are not, uh, are not respond or not, uh, feeling comfortable anymore. So now I need to, I need to reset, um. But as far as weather conditions, I would, at this point, I would probably just hunt anything minus a hurricane. And I have done that and I don't like doing that. So that's, I would say that's my new cutoff is a hurricane. Gotcha. Well, you, uh, anyway, back to the, the story of your deer this year, you obviously were able to find, you know, some little catch where even though there was pressure in the area, you could, you could find a way that he was moving in daylight. So, I mean, lead back into that. Oh, um, so I think it's probably no, no secret now, like hunting's kind of becoming a, a thing of like older guys. Um, and I was able to find a spot, like obviously like I, the guys that hunt this property, most of them are, are older than me. Um, and a lot of them just can't walk anymore. So I know like the field edges are pretty much where they're, 
where, where the um, the pressure is, and the deer know that. So as long as I'm still willing to and I'm able to, like I go I, I go as deep as I can, and and find then find sign there. And you know, obviously, them deer are totally different when they're down in this deep hollow compared to when they're up on the field edge because they know where the pressure's at. Um, but anyway, so I was at the actual stand that I was telling you about that my my um, or the set that the stick kicked out of me. Um, it was October, November 11th. So I hadn't went in there for probably three to four weeks. Um, and I was actually walking down the logging trail. There was another set that I had designed or that I had specifically designed in my head for a day like that day. And I believe it was, uh, uh, I have it wrote down here somewhere because I keep a journal of like when I have no- notable hunts, I-, I like to keep a journal that's like, so I can replicate it again and just understand weather patterns. Um, but it was, it- like cool in the morning. It was going to get a little warm um, on November, on the 11th. Um, but anyway, so I get in kind of a little later to start that I wanted to. I still got in a gray light, but if I have to sit for an hour in the dark, like I'll do it because I want to make sure I get in before the deer want to come moving off uh, out of either this bedding or the, the field to come through. Um, so about eight o'clock, um, I was sitting there thinking like, man, the, and I always, I, I, I I bug my buddies a lot. Actually, they, they get to the point they start to shut their phone off in November because I call it the November lull because, like, I will see deer October 31st. I'll see 100 deer, and then, like, November 1st, I won't see deer. And it's like that that I get, like, a monkey in the in the on my back that's, like, in November. So about 8 o'clock, I, I text my buddy. like, hey, dude, I finally found, seen a deer in November. Like, this is amazing. This is the best time I've had all year so far, joking with him. Um and they come from the ag, from ag. There's actually down the hall. There's like a little, almost like a satellite bedding that I've noticed they wanted to use. They like the does will use for a little bit in the morning, and then mid morning they'll transition into like the main bedding. Um, at least that's how I rationalize it in my head. So I seen her. They cut across about 50 yards above me. They they kind of cut through the trail. There's a an overgrown logging road, and they went up it. I was like, okay. There's about uh, the first deer came through. Then like three or four more came through. So I was like, oh, wow, this is having a pretty good day. But then I'm still like in the back of my head, like, you know, everybody knows with good doe groups when you start seeing them kind of starting to separate themselves. It's like, all right, now it's starting to turn on. I'm like, there's no way I got at that point in time, probably by like 930, a couple more came through. And I was at like seven or eight does. I'm like, there's no way all these seven or eight does aren't aren't ready to go. Like there, there's got to be a buck following them. So I'm still sitting there, like, you know, text my buddy, trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I'm like, man, maybe I, maybe I messed up. Like, maybe I should, I, sh- I should be 50 yards down more. He's like, no, what do you have around you? Like, he made me, even though he knows where I'm at and I've showed him pictures of where I'm at, he's like, why are you here? I'm like, well, I got three big scrapes, like car hood size scrapes on this branch. Like, they're picked clean, like, not even bugs are, are crawling through them. Like, they're picked clean. But I should, I should have, I should have went down more. I, I should have went down more. And then that paralysis by analysis kicked in. He said, listen, he said, you do this to yourself all the time. You start analyzing and, and this. I'm like, all right, well, I was like, I'm just going to shut my phone off and just enjoy the hunt. Okay. So I didn't do that, but I just at least said I was going to shut my phone off. So that way I wasn't bothering him anymore. And through in front of me, through the main bedding, I seen like this little, this little spike come through. I was like, all right, well, I see my first buck, and he had no no care in the world, wasn't chasing, was didn't have his nose to the ground, just was moving through on a trail that I didn't even see was there. I said, okay, so 
there's something going on here. And I'm, I'm always trying to learn and figure things out. Like my mind never stops, especially in the tree stand. Um, so about 10, 10 o'clock, I would say I'm just sitting there. I was getting ready to eat like all day sits. If anybody that does listen to this and does all day sits and doesn't eat, I don't know how you do it. Like I have to have food in me. Um, I just, as I look up, I can just see like a white ended up being a tail of a butt of a deer moving up this ridge coming from the hall from the main hollow up to the top part of this bedding area and i was like well i don't know how you know how you feel about calling the deer or calling the bucks like i know that's a big midwest thing but i said you know what let's just see what happens like i'm i got this is my last actually this is going to be my last weekend to hunt because i have to have a work weekend um so this was my last really that saturday and sunday was my last weekend to hunt so I threw a grind out, um, and a snort wheeze. And I like do I like the snort wheeze. If if me, I I like hunting the, the mature bucks that don't like being challenged, and like that come in. Now I've hunted some. I've seen some bucks um, that absolutely don't like that. Like as soon as they get challenged, even though they're the biggest ones in the area, they're like, hey, they seem like they just tuck tail and say, all right, you got it, buddy. I'll I'll head to the other. I'll head the other direction. So I did a grunt or a snort wheeze and I just like put my grunt tube back and I'm like sitting there watching him. And like, I see this, I see this buck coming through the bottom side of the, uh, bottom side of, of the, the cut. And he's got his head down and almost like he's tailing, but like, I could see him throw his head up every, every little bit. When he threw his head up, I could see he was, he was like close to being out of his ears, but as fast as I could see it, he was like dodging and, and diving coming through the, the saplings. And so I grabbed my bow and I've, I've always heard, you know, you always hear about the J hook. I've never, this is actually the, probably one of the few times that this seemed to actually work as far as like, I had a, a, a mature buck come in and he J hooked me. He knew which tree, the, the exact tree, it seemed like he knew where it came from, but he just wanted a J hook, but he did J hook at 15 yards. And I remember like him walking, had his mouth open, like he was just, dog tired and i i stopped him the moment i stopped him he like immediately looked right up at me and he was at 15 yards um but it was like too late the moment he like the moment it seemed like he knew what was up i think my arrow was already on the way to him uh opened him up and i I ended up watching him crash and it happened it happened so fast that like i didn't get a i kind of didn't get to like take it in like i i kind of finally did it i finally reached that like that moment of like that I had, I had said in my mind was like this. Oh my God, I finally did it moment. You know what I mean? Like, like, cause I had hunted for so long and I had packed bucks and, and I was like, no, I want this. There's a specific caliber of buck I want. And I know he's on this farm and I'm just going to hunt him. And that it, when it finally came together with my bow, like I, I, I killed, um, bucks. I got bucks on the wall for, for in rifle, but it was just like, there was that, it always eluded me to get it with, get it done with my bow. And I finally did it. And I was just like, I called my dad and I was so excited. Um, him and my brother came and helped me. And, uh, it like happened so fast. I remember just sitting there thinking like, I did it. Like the, the, this 12 year, my kind of like 12 year quest to get one with a bow was done. And then it finally hit me. And I was like, I was like a mess in the tree stand, but yeah, it was, uh, it was like my most memorable, one of the memorable hunts, not only because it, it happened, but just like, that was a set that I was like doubting 
Uh, I didn't have the I didn't have the time that I was used to to just shotgun some sets and figure it out. Like I really had to just kind of put my head down and and keep grinding at it. And uh, like when it happened, I was just like, like I said, I was just like a wreck. Once it hit me, I was I was just like a mess. I I don't know. I shouldn't have been I shouldn't have been wielding a knife trying to gut the thing. It's amazing I didn't have my blood running out of it somewhere along the line. Now that's fantastic. I love hearing those because when you when you finally uh, reach a goal, right? I mean, I, I feel like that's a lot of us. A lot of us are goal oriented, and I, I think it's probably because you know whether you call it trophy hunting or adventure hunting or whatever it is. Like a lot of us, when we we get to that, it's it's just it's more to us than just saying we're going to go out the first week of, of rifle season at deer camp and we're going to shoot something to fill our freezers. When it when it goes beyond that, I think a lot of us are goal oriented, and. For me, the the first couple ones, like the first couple goals you set, you know, when you you start to reach a next caliber or whatever, like let's just say for this instance, you're talking about uh, a specific caliber deer with your bow. You know, I feel like the first ones you set are the hardest ones to achieve, but when you do, man, there is no feeling like it. Like I, I remember, there's a couple of memorable ones that I have. Over, over the years, like my first buck is still one, even though it was a, you know, a, a 60 inch six pointer that that deer I have mounted and I look at I can look at him right now. You know, that deer means a lot just because the way it happened, I finally got my first buck, I shot it with a bow, there was not much more to it other than I just wanted to shoot my first buck. That was an awesome, awesome feeling of accomplishment. Now I've had a few others, you know, specific deer, mature deer, you my bear this year that I killed with a bow like stuff like that when you set a goal and you work towards it and then you finally do it that is like uh there's an extra special feeling to that so like you know hats off to you for working hard and getting it done and I'm kind of curious now as you sit and you you look at your season and then you think about the 2024 season because you know we were talking earlier you're like I'm ready for 2024 let's go talk a little bit about how you orient or how you think you're going to orient goals? Um, so I would definitely have more time. Like I know I'm going to have more time to hunt. Um, I've always been, I've always been pretty like open. It's only like with employer, some of my employers, I've always been like, listen, there's only one thing I really enjoy doing in this world. And that's just uh, chasing white tails. And they laugh. They're like, Oh yeah. Or like you just talk to people and then the more they get to know you and you're like, Hey, what are you doing Saturday? Like, Oh, well, I, I gotta go check out this piece of property. Well, what do you mean? Well, yeah, I gotta, you know, I'm, I'm going to scout it and just kind of see what I got. Well, what are you doing, dude? It's like March. You're seeing it is until, uh, till October. Um, so my job is now like, I'll be more flexible getting back to it. I'll be more flexible with my, my schedule, my hours. Um, so my goals this year are to be hunt just as smart as I did this year. And look for the quality sits, but get get more of them, but spread them out. So I'm, you know, as far as will I will I be pounding the same farm time and time again? Not unless there's a, a lot, unless there's a buck there that shows me that that at a point in time he's killable. Um, so my goal is I'm I'm not really worried about getting my buck scored this buck this year scored. Um, but obviously one of the goals is just going to be like let's go let's go a year older. Not not inches, um. Because I'd, I'd say he's probably three and a half, uh, the buck that I killed this year. So now instead of you know trying to get one that's five inches bigger or ten inches bigger, I want one that's a year older. Um, 
And also there's a doe. The, the main goal is there's this one doe and I, I'd like to maybe go after her in, uh, in Christmas. I think everybody's got that doe that they just, they can't beat. Um, that's another goal of mine is to try and get her down because I think she's, I didn't see her with any does this year. She's got a, she's got a distinct white patch, uh, around her throat and I didn't see her with any fawns this year. So I think she might be barren, but she gets in with the group and she can, she can pick me out of about any tree. Um, and so I'd like to get her. That's, that's one goal, which I'm sure you, you probably never heard of anybody t- targeting specific doe. Um, for their goal, but you know, I'd like to get her out just because of, uh, she's pretty smart. Um, and she, she's not producing any fawns, so it's just like, eh. Um, and yeah, just get a doe, get a deer that's old or that's another year older and just see, you know, see what I can do as far as, uh, maybe, you know, maybe starting to teach some more people. Cause I think, like, like I said, I'm more now like, hey, like, look what I've done it. Not like, look at me, but you know, I've done it. A lot of people in the area, like, they'll stop and we'll talk about deer hunting. And they ask me questions. Um, but and that's why, like, you know, reaching out to you and, and talking to you and stuff, like, I like giving back now because this sport's done so much for me as far as keeping me out of trouble uh, when I was younger and just finding, not finding a purpose, but just finding, like, a passion in life that just doesn't seem like it's going anywhere anytime soon. So another goal of mine is just to, to give back, whether it's, you know, on social media, um, talking talk with you guys, with, like, guys like yourself. Um, or new hunters that are kind of coming up because like I said, I didn't really have that guidance that I have now. Not that my dad wasn't a hunter. It was just between him working and rifle season. That's all he kind of did. And and when I stepped into the bow hunting realm, I was like on my own and I knew what the learning curve was. And there was a lot of times I wanted to throw my bow out of the tree because nothing was working for me. Um, but then the more I learned it, so if I can give back and, and help as well in 2024, then that's exactly what I'll do. So when you think about, um, you say you're 28 years old and when you think about the journey you've taken from 16 to 28 bow hunting to get to where you're at now, um, and, you know, and, you know, accomplish the goal that you were sat out to do, right? Where do you want to see yourself in another 10 years when you're 38, 10 years of bow hunting, you know, what are some things that you're hoping that you have accomplished or learned or, or make yourself a better bow hunter? Um, one thing I think that would, uh, like a personal goal or a personal achievement that I think would like, if I, if I accomplished it and I would be, and I had to hang, hang my hat up after that for whatever reason, I, I would almost be satisfied would be to get a mature buck in October in the morning because the, the big taboo is like, oh, you can't kill, they're unkillable in October. You can't kill them in the mornings. And like, that's just been a goal that I've heard the October law and everything like that. Like I've heard that a lot, or that's a fact that I've heard so much, so many times or statement. I've heard so many times from the old time bow hunters in my area. And I'm like, no, they're killable. You just got to find them. You got to be able to put the time in. So it's almost like that pedestal of, um, you know, we talk about saying, Oh, this buck was killed on public land, but this one was killed on private or this one was now killed with a gun. This one was killed with a bow. People, Sometimes people would look at you different, like, oh, well, you killed that with a gun, but that one with a bow. Uh, and I don't like, you know, getting into it because to me, it's still an accomplishment. I was able to beat this deer at his own game. Yeah, I had some modern, at one point in time, I had modern, uh, like a modern advantage and then at the, with a compound, not so much. Um, but that just to be able to, to like tell somebody, look, I opening day, I got this buck that I was after. 
whether he was six and a half, five and a half, four and a half. Um, but this is the one I wanted. I found him in a time that everybody is telling me that he is unkillable. Um, so that would be like, if I can do that within 10 years, I would be thrilled. That is like, that is the number one goal is to get a mature buck in October in the morning in Pennsylvania when everybody says it's, it can't be done. That's a good goal to have, man, and I appreciate you sharing that with us, man. We've been rolling here for, for a good long while, and I want to be mindful of your time, but I appreciate you telling us this story. I appreciate you you know, reaching out and, and sharing your your advice, your experiences that you've had. Man, is there anything that you would like to kind of close out, you know, things that you've learned this season or, or just things you want to share before we before we wrap this one up? Um. If anyone that is listening that's like like younger in the bow hunting and things just aren't going their way and like if you have to, which is what probably somebody had told me a long time ago and I just didn't want to listen. If you have to take a break as far as like go squirrel hunting, go steelhead fishing, go rap, go small game and do something. You got to reset. Like don't be afraid to do it. Like I would get so guilty at times when I was in school or in college or working and I was off and people would be like. Hey, uh, my cousin would call me from Ohio. Hey, you want to come out duck hunting? It's, you know, duck season's coming out or we're trying to figure something out. No, it's, it's, it's right. Uh, archery season. Nobody asked me to do anything. I'm, I'm heading to the woods. Um, don't be afraid to go do that. Like, honestly, the deer are going to be there. Um, and I still get guilty of that at times because I get so fixated on a buck. But if there's like a, somebody out there listening that thinks they have to be in the woods all the time, like I'm not one to talk about it, but like, yeah, it's okay to take a step back. Um, that would be the big thing that like had, had stopped me from years is like I I was just that was like the biggest piece of advice that I finally that finally clicked in my head and I was like oh wow the deer woods will still be here even if I'm if I'm in it or not yeah yeah for sure I I do that all the time you know I have people that ask me about duck hunting or goose hunting or predator hunting or some type of other hunting and I get asked all the time about doing that I'm like I enjoy all those things I really do. But I cannot convince myself to go and steal time away from, you know, the deer woods, especially if I don't have a buck tag filled. You know, if I kill a buck, it's one thing, but it's having a hard time. I have a hard time really deviating from that. And and that's just because that's what I want to do. But, you know, I, I think really I think what kind of one thing that I hear when you're talking about that is setting – Again, it goes back to that goals and expectations thing, right? Setting realistic goals for yourself, right? You know, if you're a new bow hunter and your goal is to kill a 140 and you've never killed a 110, you've never killed an 80-inch, you never killed whatever, you know, be, be real. what are you hunting for at this point? You know, are you hunting for the glory or are you hunting for the experience and the adventure, right? And, you know, we've all oh, been yeah. through that, and that's, that's, a, that's a big thing. Especially if, you know, you're new... And you do what I did, you like, I mean, the I, what's bow hunter die, like, I watch them, guys, I, those guys are, like, I love them. Um, I'm a byproduct, but I would say I'm a byproduct, like, the Lee and Tiffany and Jury area, where I was like, oh, no, I'm, my first buck, he's got to be, like, 160. My dad looked at me and said, you realize you're in Pennsylvania? Like, that's, they don't grow around trees, or they don't grow on trees around here. Like, those are manicured farms, and that, that was almost like, that was like telling me Santa, you know, may or may not have been real, so... That was like that was a heartbreaker for me as well, so. Uh, but yeah, and if anyone's out there and like you have you have questions or want to talk, like I'm like I'm definitely not afraid to like share things with people and you know help people be successful because that's what God did for me. So I'm not gonna be one of the ones that 
was out there asking for help and, and stuff. And then all of a sudden, when people started asking me for help, I'm like, oh, well, you got to find it out on your own. Don't be afraid to uh, reach out on like Instagram. Um, and, you know, we'll talk, see what we can get people successful. Because that's what it's about, like just getting people successful and getting them back out in the woods. You know, hunter, the hunter numbers, everybody talks about hunter numbers are going down and, you know, that's not going to be good. Good deal, man. Well, hey, we appreciate your time on the show and we'll look forward to doing this again in the future. Alrighty.